Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these he will show him, so that you may marvel. For... As the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Who does not, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live for as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. He has given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and, and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Spirit, we come here to your word and as we've asked today and so many times, we just want you to guide us and teach us and lift these words off the page, make them meaningful for us, help us to think rightly, help us to grasp your <coughs> wisdom through this passage and these truths and apply the Spirit to our lives, to change our lives for your glory, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, John chapter 5. This may be very likely the, the most important section in the New Testament concerning the nature of Jesus. There are Every chapter is an important chapter when we go through it. Right? We look at John chapter 3 or the change of water to wine in John chapter 2. And all of these sections are so very, very important. But this one in John chapter 5 is so very important about who Jesus really is. And if we're not careful, we're liable to gloss over John chapter 5. Not intentionally, of course, but just gloss over it, coming off of John chapter 3 where Jesus tells Nicodemus must be born again and then some of the other things that we've seen in chapter 4 and then healing the paralytic in 
chapter 5 and then some other miracles that are coming. We're liable to skip over this, this section. But this section, as I say, may be the, the most important section regarding the nature of who Jesus Christ is. If I was to summarize it, Jesus is claiming to be God in John chapter 5. The most high, the most supreme God. It, it, you remember in verse 18, we see that very clearly. And this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So they, the Jewish religious leaders, and John, the Apostle John, didn't miss this fact. Jesus was making himself equal with God. And so those who would deny the deity of Jesus Christ have a real problem with this passage. And it really helps us to take some time today, but then take some time in our own devotional time to just meditate and to think about this passage and what Jesus himself is saying about who he is in relationship to the Father. And as I say, in summary, Jesus is saying that He is God. He has the very essence of God, the, the very nature of God. But be real clear here on this point. It's not that God is it, that Jesus is God of this earth, this world, or maybe Jesus is God of this galaxy. Not that. Jesus is the most supreme. Most high God. Whatever language we want to use, He is the most high. He has the very nature, the very essence of the most high God. Yahweh, the Father. That's what Jesus is claiming. Jesus begins in this passage that we're looking at today, but Jesus answered them, My Father, that was scandalous for the Jews. My Father. Remember, he teaches the disciples to pray in Matthew, our Father who is in heaven. But here, Jesus is saying, my Father. There's a distinction with Jesus. Sets him apart from, from everything else. My Father. My Father is working until now, and I am working. See, the problem was, we remember last week from our look at the Sabbath, Jesus heals the paralytic. Well, the, 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 the Sabbath was so important to the Jews. The Jews, number one, they wanted to know, is it lawful, under Jewish law, is it lawful to even heal someone on the Sabbath? That might be working. You're not supposed to be working on, on the Sabbath. But then not only that, Jesus tells the paralytic, the man who he had healed, to, to go pick up his man and be on his way. Now Jesus is telling him, this par paralytic. He's telling someone else to do what might be considered work. Not scripturally, but according to Jewish law. The rabbinic tradition. Remember those 39 categories I, I mentioned last week. Would, is Jesus commanding people to disobey Jewish law? Well, that was bad enough. <laughs> but not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own, his own Father. 
Very scandalous. And as I say, the Jewish religious leaders didn't miss it. They didn't miss the point. <laughs> we miss it. Sometimes people want to get Jesus off the hook. Well, he really didn't mean to be God. No, that, that is exactly what he meant. So as I say, John chapter 5. I always lock into that. Just in your own mind, in my mind, we need to, to remember. When we, when we come up into conversations with people, well, Jesus is a good teacher. Jesus is a prophet. People agree with that. He's a very wise man. Well, that's all true, but that doesn't get to the point. The point is that Jesus himself claims to be God as is as is uh, testified to by the Apostle John. He says, my father is working. God lays down the Sabbath for the benefit of human beings. We looked at just touching on this, a short review from last week. He lays down the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, for the benefit of, the hum of human beings, not himself. <laughs> God doesn't need to take a Sabbath. He sets it out for himself. God continues working. Jesus says, my father is working. God is working right now, sustaining this, this galaxy that we're in, this earth. The, the providence of God, the mercy of God, the healing of God, the, the directing, making it possible for us to even breathe. God is continuing to work. He, he has providence over his entire creation. He's never not working. God never takes a Sabbath. He never, not, never takes a day of rest from his oversight of the entire universe. And Jesus says, And I am working. He puts himself on equal ground with God. What infuriates the, the Jewish religious leaders is they think, they think Jesus is breaking this Jewish law. He makes himself equal to God and pulls the Father into his disobedience, into his law breaking. Just infuriates them that who, who in their right mind would think about doing something that, okay, you, we're going to deal with you because you're breaking our law. No, what? You're, God's working. You're working. You're doing work too. You're claiming to be one with God. You, you're making a, a, a God, a, a co-conspirator with the work that you're doing, and it just enrages them. Just to go, they go completely out of their mind. Now, it's what's important for us to see here again also something that's not stated, but we can observe it. Jesus does not deny or push back on what they're claiming about him. You're claiming to be God. You're, you're bringing the Most High God to, to you, to you, and you're making him a co-conspirator with your work. Who do you think you are? Now, Jesus, as, as a wise rabbi, great teacher, dedicated Jew, if they were misunderstanding, Jesus would have said, no, whoa, 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 whoa. wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, wait a minute. I am not saying that. And the Apostle John would have recorded that because that's a catastrophic, if it's an error, that's a catastrophic error for, uh, for devout Jews. And Jesus is a devout teacher, devout, devout man, 
in that Jewish first century culture. That's a monumental error. Can't get any bigger error than that. Nowhere does Jesus say, no guys, you got it wrong. I didn't mean that. So we see Jesus, Jesus claiming deity. He claims this deity. Now, as the perfect son of God, Jesus is doing something spectacular. As the perfect son, Jesus is the perfect extension of the Father. In verse 19, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. The Son can do nothing. Good word to circle. Nothing. He does mean nothing. We might, in our fallen human nature, say nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm doing nothing. <laughs> Jesus says, I can, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son, here's another one to underline, the Son does likewise. Jesus is the perfect Son. He doesn't do likewise mistakenly. He doesn't do likewise sinfully. Jesus does it perfectly. He's a perfect extension of His heavenly Father. Now that's a very helpful concept. It's truth. We see it here in Scripture. But just, just the concept of it is very helpful for me, perhaps you. See, in our culture, our Western culture, when we think of son and, and father, there's a close connection for sure, son and, and father. But there's a distinction, right? There, there's a difference. The son might go off in, in his own career, for example. Or the son might have his own ways of thinking, his own attitudes. Loves, loves his father, respects his father, maybe or perhaps not. But there's, there's somehow a difference in our mind. But in the ancient Near Eastern mind, this first century mind, to be a good son was to be an extension of the father. In their worldview, in that, if, if this, this, humanly speaking, if this was a good son, known as a good son, well, he picked up the trade of the father. He, he didn't adopt the, the principles and practices from some other man. He followed his father. Had the same attitude, same worldview, same trade, same way. He was a reflection, uh, an extension, actually, of his that's what it was understood in the culture to be a good son Jesus being the perfect son Jesus is the perfect extension of the father so this kind of language the apostle John is using is so important the son can do nothing 
just like his father. Nothing on his own accord. Only what he sees the father doing. Sees the father doing. Who has seen God? For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Perfectly. Oh, you can imagine the temperature in these religious leaders. In the, the, the internal temperature in their minds. This is blas blasphemy. This is outrageous. Outrageous to make this claim. That's why today, when someone says, Jesus was a good teacher, he was a wise man, I agree, he lived in back, back then, but not God. Now we're getting a taste. Now we're getting a taste here. You know, that's what Jesus means. He, he's the perfect extension, perfect nature, perfect essence. We omniscience, wisdom, perfect extension, power. When we're thinking about God, power, creative ability, life, death, judgment, mercy, compassion. All the, the temple, the purification pots, the paralytic's body, the blind man, perfect extension of God, everything in control. They are enormously agitated at this. And what we see with Jesus is he in no way is claiming independence from his father. See, in the Western mind again, I don't know about you, about me. You know, I look forward to the day, some, some independence from my father. Not turning my back on my father, but, you know, I can drive the car by myself. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can do some things on my own, my own independence. Human beings think that way. That's not what Jesus is. Jesus, nowhere says he operates independently from the Father. He works in perfect submission and dependence upon the Father. So Jesus is identifying with his Father in a profound, profound way. Well, as the perfect Son, Jesus is so tuned in and locked on to God that as I say, he, he acts, there's no way that Jesus acts apart from God. As I've emphasized, can do nothing apart from God. The Son does likewise. So as, as the perfect extension of the Father, when someone resists Jesus, when someone denies Jesus, when someone disobeys Jesus, they're disobeying God, the most high God. These religious leaders, they want to kill Jesus. Well, if they have that attitude about Jesus, they want to kill Jesus, they have that, the attitude that they, would, they want to kill the most high God. Of course, they themselves don't see it that way, but Jesus is teaching, Jesus is plainly saying, that I'm so closely aligned, I'm so in union with 
my heavenly father, that when you oppose me, it's just not a rabbi, another a teacher out here, some religious leader you're opposing. When you oppose Jesus, you're not just opposing Jesus, you're opposing the heavenly father. So these people, as I say, enormously infuriated that he would act that way. Can you, can you begin to get a taste of, of why they want to send him to a cross? He's on this journey to a cross. On the journey, on the way to be crucified. You can kind of get the grasp, the sense of, of why they would want to do this. So, the Father, Jesus claims, gives him full endorsement. It's one thing for somebody to claim, make these outrageous claims. I mean, you or I, we, we can make a claim like that. But then Jesus is saying, oh yeah, the Father endorses me as well. He goes in verse 20, for the Father loves the Son and shows him, notice the word all, shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these he will show him so that you may marvel, so that you would be, be you would be overwhelmed. And he's going to rise from the tomb. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. All these things that we may be aware of or have seen, perhaps not, in what's coming in John, there are some, some miracles, some things that are going to take place that that if these people are going to marvel at what he's doing, but he says the Father loves, loves the Son, and this is a perfect love. Not one like our human love, it's an imperfect love. It's a, a perfect love, full endorsement of what the Son is doing. Loves the Son and shows him all. Who do you think you are, God the Father? Showing you all? Showing you? Uh, again, showing indicates that there is some relationship here. The Father is showing the Son something and shows him all that he is doing. That is a unique relationship because Moses or Abraham or King David uh, or Esther, they didn't see all that God was doing, but Jesus is saying that very thing. It's, a, it's an endorsement. He has a very, very unique relationship. Jesus is not only the, the perfect revelation of God, the perfect revelation of God's will. He is the source of life. It just escalates, right? In verse after verse after verse, the, the es it just mounts what Jesus is saying. And at first it starts with the Sabbath, that's offensive, but now he's saying things that are just highly inflammatory. Verse 21, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, okay, okay, the Jews expected that, God giving life, okay. So also, <laughs> the Son gives life to whom he will. Oh my, oh my. The Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. This, this 
son, this, this man, this rabbi, this son, son of God, not only, not only reveals God. We, th we think of Jesus, and some would have at that time too, think of well, as a prophet, he's revealing something about God. He's revealing some truth about God. He's, he's revealing some principles of God, principles for living. He's wise in, in that way. Jesus doesn't go there. That's an easy way out. Of course, of course he does that. Jesus gives life to who to whom he wills. And he's so united with God, he's so locked on with God, so in union with God, he, 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 he's, he's such an extension perfect extension of the nature of God that when Jesus when Jesus sovereignly chooses to give life the father is choosing to give life he, it's it's not any in no way is Jesus in conflict or in contradiction to the father Jesus gives life spiritual life and physical life he shows in the physical life he shows in that the physical life and the healings and in the, the, the miracles that he has this power, but more importantly, he gives spiritual life. Jesus gives that. He, he has that life. He's, he's the very source of life. Can you imagine how radical that is? Even today, can you imagine some places in the world, some places in the bay, Jesus is the source of life. He can take it and he can give it according to his will. Christians have seen that for centuries and that's why Christians worship Jesus. He is God. He's the giver of life and the taker of life in perfect union with his heavenly Father. He reveals God's will. He reveals God's truth. But he's the giver of life. Some of you know what that means. We have some testimonies here. You know what that means. Yeah. God working through His people, through His church, for sure. He gives life. Later in John, we'll get to it in the 10th chapter, but the Apostle John will put it this way. He gives life. He gives it to the full. Gives it abundantly. Well, Jesus is in total and complete dependence upon his heavenly Father. He lives, moves, acts, teaches, rebukes, corrects in this world, in his ministry, but he is united, he is connected with his heavenly Father. And as I say earlier, that there is no independence 
on him. He is in total dependence, total submission to his heavenly Father. That's one reason we can say to be in submission to Jesus is not a bad thing. Jesus himself is in submission to the will of his heavenly Father. He's not acting independently of his heavenly Father. Well, the, the outrageous comments keep coming. Verse 22, it goes on, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Again, he's dealing with these religious leaders. He's rocking their boat. He's upsetting their boat. He says in that particular verse, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the to the Son, eternal judgment. Who does that belong to? Who does your eternal, your eternal judgment? You're going to heaven or hell? Which is it? Everybody's going to one or the other. Not everybody's going to one place. And the one who decides, who makes the judgment, is Jesus. Oh my! Wow! Think. Who who do you think you are? Who do you think you are claiming that? No. Yahweh, the Most High God, God, not, not some man from Nazareth. Are you kidding? So, someone, well, even as we looked earlier, some called him, uh, if they wanted to insult him, they called him a uh, Samaritan. Not someone like this, who, who came, to, came to, who was born in a, such a scandalous way. Not someone like this, not has final eternal judgment, but he says, the Son, the Son has this judgment. The Father has granted this, the Son this, this judgment in order to have judgment and to judge rightly and to, 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 to perfectly, perfectly be an extension of the Father. That means there needs to be perfect wisdom, <laughs> perfect discernment. All God attributes all what we're talking about here is just, just all God. We can put a bunch of theological language on it. That would be helpful for us. We could do that. But it's just all God. All of the attributes of God. Omniscience. Power. Omnipresence. Omnipotence. All of it coming to Jesus. And these people uh, are really resistant on this now, if, if, if it weren't enough that he says that the judgment is given to the Son, uh, he makes just another radical, radical statement. Verse 22 says, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Verse 23, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Notice in that verse, by the way, in your study on, on these passages, notice the word for in English, F-O-R, verse 19, verse 20, verse 21, verse 22, and then all the way down to verse 26. But four, four. These are explanations. In explanations. How, how, how? He's making himself out to be God. Well, for this, for this, for this. But 
in verse 23, that all may honor the Son. Look how many times the word honor is used in that one verse. You think the Apostle John has something on his mind as the inspired writer? That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Honor, honoring Jesus is an issue here. <laughs> they're not the religious leaders. They're not the crowds. They're interested in a miracle worker, but not this kind of honor. Not this kind of the worship, the submission, bowing, bowing. Jesus, bowing to him as God, the most high God. Revealing God, perfect extension of God. Look what, he, look what they say. The Apostle John says, John in the Spirit, honor the Son just as they, notice those two words in verse 23 in the English, just as. See, we could read some, read right over something like that. We could be, you know, like reading a newspaper or read something on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. We'd read right over that. That all may honor the Son, just as, <laughs> just as they honor the Father. Oh, Jesus is saying that He is entitled. He's entitled to the honor that can only rightfully be given to God. He's entitled to that, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes, there's a commitment there. That's the commitment. Whoever hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. He's not coming to judgment, but is passed from death to life. So if you believed... Would that be the defining mark in your life that you've believed in Jesus? As I've tried to emphasize, not just as a miracle worker, not just as a wise rabbi, not as a good teacher. Theologians down through the, the centuries have, have noticed something like this. That was not something like they've noticed this, and they've said something. Like this. Jesus leaves no middle ground. You, can, you can't be in the middle on Jesus. There is John chapter 5. That's why it's so important. There is no middle ground. Either he is God. He's worthy of all honor. He's worthy of all worship. He is, he is the one that has life in his hands. Life and judgment. The two things focused on here. Life and judgment. No middle ground. Do you believe that that's true? Yes. Because to say no, let's be careful here. To say no, I do not believe this, is to, at a minimum, Say the Apostle John who wrote it is a fool. 
by extension that Jesus having taught something so radical is not a good teacher. He's a fool. He is a lunatic. He's, 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 he's crazy. C.S. Lewis emphasized that in, in one of his writings, but other theologians have, have visited that topic as well. You can't look at John chapter 5 and just go with Jesus is a good teacher. Or you can't go with John chapter 5 and just, just say, well, John's kind of out of his mind. He had a bad day then. He wrote it wrong. He should have used different words. No. Even if we were not, even if we're not saying, if we, well, of course we do believe it's inspired, it's the inerrant word of God, but just on a human level, the person that would write that is nuts. Okay, here's the kicker. Religions all over the world accept that. They accept the gospel of John. They, they accept it as holy writings. What do you do with this? Either it's true, which means we get on our face, we worship God in our hearts, on our face, every day, one worthy of the worship of God, or that, that writer is a fool. And if, he's, and if he's, he's communicating it accurately as a historical record, then the one who said it, Jesus of Nazareth, is a fool. We together? Here you go. Here you go. Religions around the world. They, some of them, they'll dispute the writings of the Apostle Paul. They dispute some of the writings of the New Testament. Don't know about that. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels are accepted. For our Muslim friends, the Injil. You accept the Injil. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What do you do with John chapter 5? What do you, that's, you agree with it, that it's scripture. What do you do with it? Make up some argument that somebody corrupted the text. Something. Lean on the liberal theologians for the past century and kind of come up with some explanation of why we shouldn't be believing John. <laughs> I don't think it works that way, really. John chapter 5. It's a declaration of the deity, godness of Jesus Christ. No minimization. The Most High God emphasizing it again because we live in a world where everybody, they, they believe in Jesus. It's just not that he's that God. And the apostles want us to know here and throughout the New Testament that he is that God. Loving you. So much loving you so much to come into this world to die on a cross as the sacrifice for our sin, that atoning sacrifice, so that you and I, believer, wouldn't have to go to hell, but that we could spend eternity 
with God. Beautiful passage. So I encourage anyone that hasn't made that commitment to, to come to Jesus as this one. A John chapter 5 picture. <laughs> to make that commitment. Come to a lot of questions. A lot of questions. We can work with the questions. But come in simplicity, childlike faith. That this one, this one is God. He's the holder of life. The one who holds all judgment. He's the one that has the power to forgive my sin. The power to come into my life, your life, by the Holy Spirit and change your life. Amen. If you haven't made that commitment, please let me know either after the service or maybe through an email. Those of you that have, let's rejoice in John chapter 5. All honor to the Son, just as with the Father. Let's pray.